Hi, everyone. Welcome in. It is a Saturday afternoon edition of Beeson Bet Center, live from downtown Las Vegas here in our Circus Sports Studios off Fremont Street. We're talking a lot of baseball, and that's because we've got Josh Towers here alongside me. I'm Ben Wilson. We have Josh Towers, former big league pitcher. A lot happening with the with the pitchers, Josh. Yeah, you're having good. a moment right now. <laughs> we last time we talked was last Sunday. Yep. Since the last time you and I sat in these seats, there have been two no hitters. <laughs> Not one, but two. Right, we and almost, we almost had a third we last had night. A third one. Yes, sir. If you and we're gonna translate this into a game about to start in a few minutes. That is that is where we'll start on the MLB card with. Reds Indians because that is a game coming up here in about five minutes as you get ready to make your bets on a Saturday night. But Josh, I mean, you retired what nine, ten years ago? Could you just go out there throwing a no hitter right now? Wade Miley does it last night for the Reds. Oh, How are you feeling about that? I love it. And what was Wade? He was throwing that cutter. He was locating well. His tempo, by the way. Speaking of tempo, you and I off air were talking golf tempo. Wade Miley's tempo was fantastic. He he controlled the pace of the game. He controlled. The timing between his pitches um, for the few innings that I saw, the hitters really, he allowed them, he allowed, they allowed Wade, sorry, to, to rush them, which was a beautiful thing. Uh, you know, one of us has to control it, and it's always a battle. Like, that's the game inside the game that people don't see. We start taking, you know, 25, 30 seconds between pitches. Hitters are going to own us. They have time to process. When we start throwing pitches between, you know, let's say 15 seconds. It's always the Mark Burley thing, right? Which is, you know, again, Mark and I would, like, look at each other and, how fast you want to get this one over with when we would go head to head and it was always, uh, all right, let's get under two. That was easy for us. And, you know, our games were like 150 because of how quickly we worked. Same type of thing. Like we understood that you let me throw pitches, you know, in let's say 15 seconds ish, uh, you're rushed as a hitter. You don't have time to process a lot and it's going too fast. You don't have all the time that you want to think about it. Wade Miley did a great job. He always does a good job. He's very good at pitching and I don't think he ever gets the respect that he deserves, but he was throwing, what, 85, 86, you know, maybe 87 last night, and, and that doesn't light up the radar. But it was a beautiful thing, pitching downhill. It's fun to watch. Manaya did the same thing. The reality is, and you hear me talk analytics, and you guys know that I'm not the biggest uh, analytics fan, but it's not just been the analytics. It's how do we use them, and when do we use them, and how does it coincide with what we're actually trying to do, which is play baseball and get hitters out or be successful on the other end. And it gets lost in translation. And the offense around baseball, it's no secret, has been really bad collectively all around baseball. I mean, look at these numbers. They're, they're super low as a team and as individuals, and these pitchers are taking advantage of it. But, again, if if I'm focusing on things that someone suggests might be good or bad, if your numbers are here offensively, analytically, that means you're good. Well, that's not the case because if I don't know how to use those numbers or if I'm not game planning versus Wade Miley, if I don't realize that – you know what, let me offset his rhythm. Let me step out when he's in the middle of his delivery or let me kind of control the pace of this to try to get – like if you're not willing to do like some baseball-related stuff, it's going to become very difficult. And right now the hitters are not doing the things they need to do, obviously, to be successful. And you look at it from the Cleveland standpoint, on the season now, 13th in OPS out of the 15 in the AL. They're hitting as a team 206. We've talked yeah. about this in the past. If you're – New to us and what our show is on Bet Center here on these weekend shows where we talk a lot of baseball. We do, and I, I do like to bring in some of the analytics when appropriate. And Apton, Josh, with your playing experience, we can kind of balance it pretty well yeah. as we give our, our, our thoughts here into, into our leans for these, you know, these picks and everything. My analytical, the stuff that I don't like is from an actual playing perspective. And, and, and really more than anything, it's actually the development part of it. I think that they're really put themselves in reverse when it comes to developing 
baseball players and really, really good ones because we have the talent. The analytic stuff that you and I do is to help us and help everybody listening and viewing to try to have the best opportunity to win sports bets, right? So slightly different from cash and tickets is what, what it's, it's all about. about. Yes, sir. That. <laughs> Josh even included me on the little golf thing. He's pretending like I'm actually good at golf when Josh is the real, you know, you know you can pseudo proof. Pseudo pro here. <laughs> so let's let's apply that to a couple games just about to start right now, Josh. And it also can apply as well to any in-game bets as we see things play out here. Reds Indians, you have uh, this this game two after the no hitter by Wade Miley last night. And what's interesting in in a particular spot like this, where Aaron Savali, who has been good this year, opens this morning about a minus one twenty three favorite. But as the day has played out, we have seen a little support come to Luis Castillo, who is kind of the ultimate potential positive regression guy where his numbers have not been very good one and three over six ERA so far but the xFIP his expected field independent pitching well under four and for a guy with ace sort of stuff it would tell you all right a regression here to the positive is due for a guy like Castillo who's off to a rough start and I would think Josh some betters felt the same way because this closes behind us here at the circus sportsbook uh, off Fremont Street, as we're we're talking in downtown Vegas, minus 114, the Indians close, plus 104, the take back on the visiting Cincinnati Reds in a game that opened. They were in the plus uh, 113 area. So a little money coming on Cincinnati. The big question is, though, do you still feel confident backing a team like this with a struggling pitcher so far when the team he's facing is just coming off a no-hitter? They're not like, in the, on the surface, you would think, all right, Cleveland can't possibly this be this bad again at the plate, right? Or am I wrong? And automatically thinking that <laughs> no they can be they can't because be i was sure. like my temp i was tempted here to go first five under because i've liked what i've seen out of aaron savali 4-0-3-20 era just couldn't quite get there with castillo even though the indians lineup has not really been threatening at all and he's no. you know he's a guy that is not going to be a an over six era guy the whole year would you agree with that at least I would say Castillo wouldn't for sure. He definitely has better stuff than that, and, and there's a lot to touch on here. The Cleveland Indians are 17 and 14. They're seven and three in their last ten. With that said, we go back to what we just discussed about their offense. Um, they're hitting 206. That's the second to last, the second to worst in all the baseball. Their their on base is 282. It's just not good. A lot of things they're doing. So how are they 17 and 14? How are they three games above 500? And then you go to the pitching side. The pitching's obviously been a lot better and Aaron Savali's one of them in five starts he's given up three runs or less uh in all but one he gave up four in that one and his home road splits have been equal so he they know what they're getting out of him and he's keeping them in the game to where I just have to score enough so offensively like a lot of teams the Indians aren't putting up numbers we go and look at that and we're like wait a minute how can I back a team that doesn't score but then you're kind of saying that versus a lot of teams and you go to what keeps them in games, and now I just have to be on the right side of the low number, which is, again, their defense and their pitching. He's been good. Uh, the no-hitters, you know, sometimes you see teams run into to slumps, good game plans over the course of a series, a three- or four-game series, uh, and then sometimes you just have where you get a, a guy who's just on his game with the no-hitters, and it is what it is. So I don't look so much at the no-hitter aspect of whether they're going to hit today or not. Um, I really just look at Castillo, and again, there's something that stood out to me with him. Five starts, uh, only mm-hmm. two had um, where he'd given up less than four runs. His Ks are down. That's the most important thing. So he's always been really above a K in inning guy. Uh, in this his, is a career low for him, 7.3. Really, right, which is crazy because it's like it's not that like bad of a number. 
You know what I'm saying? But in our game, it's actually really low. And so, again, when he's always been a Kane any guy collectively, now all of a sudden, Castillo's not. Um, and then you you look into his numbers a little deeper, and all that tells me is his confidence is shot. His, again, I've always told you, velocity doesn't really, really go. Uh, it's just the life at home plate doesn't have what it has. It doesn't get through home plate. So when I want it to sink, maybe it runs, right? When I have depth of my changeup, it kind of just stays like, it's almost like as I'm, I'm watching the pitch and I want to see what happens because I'm not trusting it. Luis Castillo right now is not trusting his stuff at all. And so the ball in essence is, is almost going in reverse once it gets through the hitting zone. It's like putting it on a tee. And it's easy for hitters. So all that late life, that late action, that you you see it a little bit later, that late movement that that we don't see on television that benefits pitchers, these ground ball pitches that you see, he's not getting any of that. And to me, 100%, if it was an injury thing, then we would know. Uh, he wouldn't you know hide it too long because they don't want to risk anything like that. To me, 100%, Ben, is he is not trusting what's coming out of his hand. And that's, the, that's a tough hurdle. I've been down that road. I went 0-12 mm-hmm. in a season. You throw a pitch and you don't know if you're going to get it back. You can't visualize success, and it becomes hard. And I'm not saying he's on that level of where I was that year, but even when you start to have success, you have this reasonable doubt creeping in back there, um, and you have to go back to the absolute basics of what makes us successful and is Castillo willing to do that. And until he does or shows us some sort of three, four, five-game consistency stretch, it would be really hard for me to back him at any point right now. And that's why, kind of how I laid out, while I really wanted to back him here and go with an under on a first five, which was four, by the way, with a little juice to the under at minus 115. Couldn't get there. I would say, to kind of wrap things up on this game specifically, if you see him, obviously, to Josh's point, I want to see something positive out of Castillo. But this could be a game where with, I think, Savali will have success in this spot against a pretty light-hitting Reds lineup that did not do much to back Wade Miley last night, that was nothing, nothing going into the ninth. Oh, if this that? is say nothing, nothing again, Josh, and you see, you see uh, Castillo get through the first time through the lineup pretty well, and you're still going to see because Indians right now minus 145 on the live line already by virtue of being the home team, by virtue of Aaron Savali getting through a clean mm-hmm. top of the first, you might have opportunities to get in here at, at potentially a plus price. But to your point, I would want to see. Uh, something positive. Well, that was real quick. Yeah, first. yeah, for sure. Uh, going back to that no hitter too. By the way, being zero zero going into the ninth, and then yeah. they tack on that first run. I mean, you gotta. I mean, listen. If they don't score, I go out throwing no hitter. It's not a no hitter. It doesn't matter, right? And that's one of those things. And it was even more impressive that Wade Miley was able to to still finish the game when they finally scored a run because it was like, oh, my God, they scored in the ninth. We finally got one. Then they tacked on a couple more, and then he sat for a while, and then it's like, oh, now I really have to back this up. Now, so it was, it was kind of cool. Like that's You've seen that over the years, the frustration aspect of uh, your team just didn't score either, and then you, you get through nine, and then what? And then it doesn't count. And You're into Harvey Haddock's territory. Yeah, basically. and for a pitcher to, to get – Take a no-hitter through nine. I mean, it is so hard to do. I mean, again, I know we've had four this year, but the reality is is it's it's so hard. So, uh, you know, everything went well for Miley last night, but I forgot that they didn't score to the ninth. I mean, that's that's pressure on itself. Mm-hmm. And, I, I mean, yeah, I'm protecting a no-hitter, but I'm also yeah. protecting the game. It's a little different the yeah. than, than what we saw with John Means earlier this week. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, Indians, good, by the way, and you see some of the – we have this from ESPN Stats at Info – Indians, the third team in MLB history to get no hit twice before June, up there with the infamous Alleghenies of 1884, back when Josh was, uh, you know, you were strapping on. Yeah, of course. 
you were putting the stirrups on and, you know, strengthening the arm out behind the old barn or whatever they used to do back then. Also the 1917 uh, White Sox, which is not, not exactly what you want to see. Also, here is the trivia I wanted to ask you. you when got? was the last time we had two no-hitters in this short of a span? You were alive by this point. Um, I cannot answer that question, but I feel like it was recently. It was not. It was, it was 1990. We had two on the same day. Fernando oh. Valenzuela, Dave Stewart. Two, two on the same day. Two really good June, uh, 1990. Well. And we had just had two here in the last uh, three days. John Means, Wednesday. And now we had last night with uh, Wade Miley. So we'll keep, uh, we'll keep tabs on that game. I but, mean, listen, Mania taking that into the seventh and we almost, into the eighth. Yeah, that would have, yeah we would have had almost wow. uh, a third. We'll, well, we'll he get lost to, the uh, game with the walk, yeah, in the seventh, yeah. I believe. What and, a game. and getting to the A's where we're at right now, you have the Mania taking the no-hitter. Through seven last night. Well, right now the A's and Rays t- knotted up in a. It actually was just a two-two. A's have gone in front here, three-two, bottom of the seventh, and the A's in, in a spot that Josh, where they have really caught fire as of late. Especially when you look at how they got off to that uh, brutal start, opening the year, swept at home by the Astros. It feels like a long time since then, but they were a dog today. Frankie Montas, the fifth starter, going against the A's for Tampa. Tyler Glasnow. Tampa goes off minus 125, 126 or so. Oakland, the plus 115 dog coming back with a total at 7.5. Total on the under looks to be in some pretty good shape at 3-2 in the bottom of the seventh. I'm curious your thoughts on, on a guy like Montas, who's kind of been all, all over the place, up and down. You sort of know what you're going to get right at, at this point out of an ace in the mold of Tyler Glass. Now, it's just a question of for betting. Oh, we can get to that if you disagree yeah. with that. But I've, he's been so consistent that, to me, I've, I've felt – pretty good about you know where, where he's been at uh, A's in this game get uh, the first five shut out here from Frankie Montas a, a guy who's had great success followed by a couple years with ERAs ballooned up over five doesn't get through six here gives up two in, in the six before getting pulled but were you surprised to uh, to see the line where it was uh, and I guess are you surprised to see the performance out of Montas today at cr- trying to back up uh, a near no hitter last night by Manaya um I think it's the token line for Glasnow. You know, I, I think that he's, I shouldn't say token line, but obviously Tyler's been been good on the season. He's got a lot of hype. We know how good his stuff is. Surprisingly, he's actually thrown deeper into games this year than I'm used to. But uh, listen, I, I think that Cash learned a lot about last year. He doesn't have the pitching staff that he has this year, so Tyler's going to have to step up and pitch deeper. The good thing about that for Tyler Glasnow is, is if he can control his pitch count, it's going to sound weird um, to be able to pitch deeper in the game. Then he's going to learn more about how to pitch early in the game, which is going to then control his pitch count. So he's going to minimize his pitches. He's going to realize that I don't have to, I don't always have to make this pitch. Sometimes I can let it, let him hit it. And when he starts to do that, he will go seven more consistently. Uh, you know, on the 23rd, he gave up those five runs and he seems to to mix those games in a little too often, and that's why it's like, I, I don't know exactly what I'm always going to get from Glass now, but I think we're seeing a little bit better version of him so far this year, so hopefully that can continue. Montaz, I think, I think is a good pitcher. I, I think he showed us how good he is for a long time. He's had two games this year that were really bad, uh, and past that, he's had three quality starts, 6-1, and 6-0, and 6-3, and and so I, I actually expect a lot out of him. I think the kid can pitch. He certainly yeah, turned a corner. It seems like this year we'll track how this one goes. Three, two A's right now. They're a, a big minus price, minus 450 right now. In game total down 
to six and a half. We're just getting started here on VEASAN Bet Center. Coming back, we'll update you on all the latest scores. We have a few other games to get to as well. In progress as we get underway right here on VEASAN, the Sports Betting Network. to the Indeed.com studio. Resumes are good. Resumes with an Indeed skills test are better. Visit Indeed.com slash credit as we're back on Decent Bet Center. A lot going on right now, especially on the, the East Coast, Josh Towers, yes. where Max Scherzer, one of our favorite pitchers to watch in the game, was trying to uh, have, a, have his bullpen back him up after a brilliant start in which he struck out 14 mm. in seven and a third at Yankee Stadium in the Bronx. And in a game where he was an underdog today, Scherzer at plus 113 coming in to Corey Kluber at minus 123. But he outpitched the, the Yankee uh, man on the mound. Kluber gives up two earned in five and two-thirds innings. However, Brad had in the game, bottom of the ninth, and Josh, guy had not allowed a run in 10 and a third <laughs> innings to start the year. What happened? Yeah, uh, leadoff game, walk by the way. is what happened in a 2-1 game in the bottom of the ninth inning. Uh, leadoff walks seem to always affect you. And then we had a couple singles, you know, preceding, and, and there goes the, the game. Uh, Scherzer, you said it, do fantastic again. I mean, he had the, the complete game last start before the baby was born, and then he backed it up with 14 Ks today. He's, um, again, he's very good. He's been very good for a long time. He was the talk of the town forever, and then now I don't feel like he gets the love that he deserves, but he's been pitching like it. He's been pitching fantastic. Um I'm just trying to look at some of his overall stats, but they just, they've been so good on the year, you know, maybe mixed in, you know, one bad one, I think, in April 27th. Mm-hmm. But, you know, again, one run and in, into the eighth today, one run on, and that was in the ninth inning last game, and he's gone six shut, he's gone seven shut, he's gone six and, and one. He's been fantastic for them. So um, it's tough. The, the, listen, you sit in that clubhouse and you do the best you can to give your team an opportunity to win. It's a team game, and, and that's the best he can do. The strikeouts are, are up, so it lets you know that his, he's taking advantage of obviously the hitting, but he's always been a strikeout guy, so it lets you know that he has a lot of confidence in what he's doing right now, Max Scherzer, that is. So it, it's nice to see Max dominate. This was a tough game for me, too, when I first saw it, to actually handicap because the Yankees have been playing good. Um, the Nationals, you know, again, for me, could be a little bit better. They're 13-15. and 15. Five and five in their last ten. They're not out of anything in that division, but I, you know, offensively, I feel like I, I just thought the team was going to be a little bit better. So maybe they're just slowly working into some things. But Corey Kluber as well has been great. Um, it took those first couple starts of the year to where he was kind of settling in. And do I have any injuries or am I the same guy type of thing? And now you're playing for the Yankees, which is different. And then you know the two runs today, the eight innings back. Again, like Max, last game, eight innings, no runs. So both these dudes have been dealing the six and two-thirds and one. And, 
he's just been fantastic for a long time. So it was like coming into this game, it was for me as a pitcher and as a fan of baseball, you get two veterans, two Cy Young Award winners, um, two guys that have plenty left in the tank, and two good baseball teams. And to me, this is just call it 110 and let's move on. And what a great game. Yeah, if you felt like there was some value to your point with right. Scherzer and the Nats, well, you're, you're feeling kind of hard done by here. because He pitches great, hand blows it. Two on, two out right now, bottom of the ninth, and an 0-2 count to Clint Frazier after Labor Torres with the uh, the game-tying single. So uh, with the live line here, it's, it, I don't know how, if you've been playing any of these games live as they've gone to extra innings, I have not because of right. just the ridiculous nature. I felt like of uh, <laughs> trying to handicap an extra inning situation, especially this year in Major League Baseball. But if you want to do that and play it right now, Yankees minus 150 currently with an in-game total overs. Uh, of, uh, and the in-game total, I should say, is uh, off the board right now. However, it looks like, it, it looks like Hand will actually get out of it here. We're obviously our screen's always behind. If you're due to in-play betting as well, usually don't don't try to get any bets in or force them while the action is going because the, the betting calculations are going to be a little bit ahead of where the action actually is. So it looks like Hand has already gotten out of it. And at, as I look up, Josh, yeah, what do you know? It's magic. He does get out of it. So we go to the top of the tenth now. Two-two in that game, Nationals and Yankees. I'll squeeze in just a couple other uh, scores here, Josh. Games that we are going to track as we go later okay. into some of these deeper innings. Giants five, Padres one. Trying to beat San Diego again after the Giants did it last night in Game One of that series. They've had some tremendous success early as the Giants talk of the NL West to start the year. It's a five-one lead, bottom of the seventh. A big in-game favorite at the moment, and uh, again the struggles. I continue here on the mound for Joe Musgrove and San Diego, who coming into uh, today were a decently priced favorite. Minus 126 over Kevin Gausman just coming back off the COVID list. Marlins and Brewers just underway. Marlins get an early run off Adrian Hauser. That's one nothing here in the bottom of the first. So minus 170 live now on the Miami Marlins. A's have tacked on another run. 4-2 against the Rays. Bottom of the seventh. Your live total now up to seven and a half. When we come back, Keep you updated on the MLB going on, but a big NBA game coming up in about a half hour. We'll talk you through that one as we roll on right here. It's VEASAN Bet Center. any of our show today or any of our VEASAN broadcasts, be sure to check out our free VEASAN podcast. You can catch up on Follow the Money with Mitch and Pauly, a numbers game or the Lombardi line on the daily VEASAN Best Bets podcast. Also, check in with Gil Alexander's Feeding the Book Pod. Josh Applebaum's Market Insights. Get PGA Tour betting previews on long shots. The Ron Flatter Racing Pod and the NBA Scoop with JVT on hardwood handicappers. Whatever you're betting, we have a pod for it. Find them all for free at VEASAN.com slash podcast. That's VEASAN.com slash podcast back inside decent vet center with josh towers i'm ben wilson josh you're a frequent guest on you know, alexander's show yes so you get your weekly your weekly hot takes on the mlb slate and that's why we have you here on, on these weekends where it is we are chock full of mlb action right now we talked earlier at the blown save by brad hand sends us to the 10th inning so we'll keep you posted there nationals and yankees 2-2 to the 10th my thought on wait to see if Luis Castillo actually looked like his positive regression was coming. Well, it, it, it looks like we'll have to wait another start for that, Josh, because he gives <laughs> up a uh, double from Eddie Rosario 
scores uh, Ahmed Rosario in the first inning. one nothing in the uh, Cleveland game. Indians on top of the Reds, one zip minus 200. The Indians go on the live line with a total of seven and a half. We've, we've Did got, you see uh, any pitches by any chance? I didn't get to see any. Off Castillo, I did not. Okay, I was just but curious a couple if hard. Maybe it, he's elevated a little bit. He went. He went ground out, walk, pop out, hard hit, double, ground out. So the, hard, the, hard to know a lot from that because yeah. it's basically one hard hit ball. And the walk is the thing too, right? It so, kind of reflects though the unlucky quote unquote nature of his start, where you, you you get yourself in a spot like that where it's like you mentioned a walk, and then all all that can happen is one hard hit ball, and you're screwed. You give up a run. Well, and that's it too. So again. Uh, Velocity's down. He starts 2-0 to start the game, gets a strike, and then Nick Senzel rolls out. Um, I'm sorry, I'm looking at the wrong one. That's his offense. Come on. Stop. I was going to say that was We only have like nine games. That scared me real quick. I was like, wait, 92? Um, <laughs> What's funny is his, his actually, you mentioned that his fastball velocity, maybe you, you, know, you lucked out on, on that. It actually has, I've seen it dip about a mile an hour this year, at least coming into today. Overall. Overall. Yeah, 97, 98, according to what I'm looking at here to start the game. But again, on the walk, he starts, um, you know, he gets the the pretty nice out on, on four pitches, and he did go 0-2, and then he goes three balls, no strikes, and then he throws a couple, and then he ends up walking him, so kind of wastes it. And, that, and that's the whole thing, too. And then uh, the other thing to look at as well is the next at bat. Okay, so after the walk, he goes ball one, no worries. And then he gets, uh, which a change was one of his better pitches. He throws that, he gets a swing and miss. And then it's uh, foul ball, foul ball. So when you start seeing, that's the other thing. We talked about his strikeouts are down. When you see a lot of foul balls, that, that tells you a lot about your stuff and what it's doing as well. And again, I talked about the confidence and in, in, in the finished product of his pitches. Foul balls let you know that your stuff's not doing what you wanted to do. Um, coincided with maybe your lanes aren't that good. Mm-hmm. So. The swings and misses and the weak contact tell you a lot about how good it's coming out. The foul balls also tell you a story. Very important to watch. One game we've not mentioned yet, though, Josh. Let's get to it. I felt like this was a very interesting line. Minnesota-Detroit coming into today, mostly because this has been, and we're going to talk later in our show about examining some of the AL futures, NL futures, now that we've had about a month of the season, a good amount of sample size, Josh, to look at, but the Twins are one of the more interesting teams in this because they've been awful to start the year. A complete mess, 12-19 and 19 so far. But huge favorites today facing the Tigers and Jose Barrios, who has kind of similarly had some bad luck, even though he's got a just sub-360 ERA to this point. But an XFIP of 271, you would think a great matchup for him. However, little money came Detroit's way. Minnesota was high as really? minus 190, which kind of... Like, in all honesty, minus 190 on a team playing as poorly as Minnesota. You could see, right, why money would come in on the other side for Jose Urania and Detroit. Close minus 180, minus 179 behind us at Circa. It is 2-2 going to the bottom of the seventh, thanks to a sliding catch by Robbie Grossman to rob a run, ending the top of the seventh. And uh, Jose Urania only goes four and a third, gives up nine hits, but the struggles of, of actually... Producing and driving in runs for the Twins continues, especially now that Byron Buxton just went on the IL, Josh. So you said you're, you're surprised that the money came in on Detroit. Is that just simply because of how awful they've been over the past couple weeks now, sitting at 9-24 and 24 coming into, into today? Yes, and is that fair? I mean, we have... I, I mean, it is. I mean, again, with <laughs> Twins are 12-19, and 19, they're not playing good baseball. Um, I anticipate they'll be a little bit better than that. And, and you see some, you see some, you know, stats like that, or sorry, lines, uh, wins and losses around baseball. But again... Detroit's real. Like the, the they're 
it's very bad what they're doing and offensively. Like you're saying they, the badness is real. <laughs> yeah, it's like some of the some of these we're gonna see a turnaround in some of these mm-hmm. teams. There's just veterans and there's consistency that we know is coming. Slow starts are fine. We saw the Dodgers get off to a crazy good start and then they turned it around the opposite way, went four and twelve or something afterwards. I mean, uh Detroit is hitting two oh nine as a team. It's that not good? the worst. It's not the worst. It's not good. Their OPS is the worst. Six eleven. Two seventy two on base percentage. And then the OPS, like you just said. Like it's there's so many areas. I mean, thirty five doubles. Think about that. The Mets have thirty four, by the way, still 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 lower. Um You're ripping all these teams, but I know you secretly love as a pitcher that these guys are just Sucking at the point. You know what? I, I try to be as honest as possible, Ben. And do I want to see pitchers have success? Yes, but I'm also a baseball fan. And I want to see a, a very good product consistently put out there. And I don't care who it is. And then the battle that's played between the hitter and the pitcher and how much work goes into that, I love watching whoever puts the most work in and does a little thing right to win that battle. So I actually don't – I don't – take anything away from how the pitching overall is dominating right now in baseball, or I should say how the hitting is is so bad in baseball, because I don't think any of it's real. And I don't think that these players, I don't think that fans, I don't think people really understand how much better all these guys can be, but they're just not being taught the right game of baseball. So uh, I don't, yeah, I don't, I don't overly love it because I know that there's a much better product out there. It just needs to be taught and unleashed, and then we're going to see an amazing game. And I would like to see it, you know, sooner than later. So, um, yeah, I, I don't, I don't get excited about this because I don't know. I don't. To me, it's not real. Look, that's a very that fair, fair. That's a fair point. And in this game specifically, I don't know that I would also be looking at taking a, a Twins in game just because of how poor Detroit has been hitting, and that's because the Twins bullpen has been an absolute. Nightmare this year. Alex Colomay had to pitch the seventh inning. Ex-closer. Yeah. I mean, they're just trying to get something sorted out. So I And, by the way, they give up a leadoff single with uh, with Duffy uh, into Taylor, Taylor Duffy into the game right now. Or Tyler Duffy, I should say, they, into the game. So, like, I would not I would not trust I Minnesota. Think they have, I think the Tigers actually have some good players. And, and now we're going to learn a lot about A.J. Hinch. The starting pitching, I told you, schoolboy and them guys, they're not ready. Some of them are not ready, and that's a very hard thing to overcome as well. Total six and a half right now, 2-2, bottom of the seventh. Also, Nationals get a run, 3-2 in the tenth. Off for Aldis Chapman, two on, nobody out for the Rays. Down by two in the top of the eighth. We'll update you on those next, but also potential NBA play-in tournament game where these two teams face each other in a few minutes. We'll talk about that next right here on VEASAN Bet Center. Looking to hire? Indeed will help you speed up the process. They have 135 skills tests to help you find the right candidates faster. Visit Indeed.com slash credit. Welcome back. VEASAN Bet Center Saturday evening here from Las Vegas. Back with Josh Towers. I'm Ben Wilson. We're tracking all the latest going on in the MLB, but we do want to get to one preview in the association, the NBA. We were just talking about this during the break. 
Josh, I have two futures bets already made in the Eastern Conference. One bet I have not yet made, though, because you can't, is, is on the play-in tournament. And there, there is a matchup coming up in a few minutes that could potentially be a preview for our 9 versus 10. Yes, the 9 v 10 Eastern Conference play-in tournament that starts 10 days from now, May the 18th. And an interesting uh, line move we're seeing as well with a big marquee player out, and that is Malcolm Brogdon of the Indiana Pacers who host the Washington Wizards tonight. If the playoffs started today, this would be your 9 versus 10 Pacers who have seemingly completely fallen apart, a team that has had all sorts of rumors come out. They had the assistant coach, Greg Foster, suspended a game for getting into it with Goga Batadze uh, during a game earlier in the week. A lot of talk about Nate Bjorkren potentially being one and done, Josh, and Washington, interestingly, getting the money here with Malcolm Brogdon out. You see the standings right there on your screen if, you, if you're watching with us at vsin.com. From three and a half up to four at most spots. Still a three and a half on Washington, although a little bit juiced in their favor behind us at Circa with a high total 249 and a half or 250. What do you make of a matchup like this, Josh, where you're seeing a game that could very well be an elimination game 10 days from now? Kind of an odd, unique circumstance mm-hmm. that we're seeing in the second ever year of the play-in tournament. Uh, I was going to ask you, and you already answered it, obviously, for us, uh, what the total was. And then 250. My job here, Josh. 250 and a half. You're way ahead of me. That's the the beauty, Ben. That's why I like you so much is you're so prepared. But 250 is a lot. But it's not a lot. Uh, These guys, 8-1 and and 1, by the way, Wizards are in their last 10 against the spread. Uh, They did play to overtime two days ago. And they have had... Four road games in their last five. This will be five in the last six. So that does at times take its toll on you. Now, these guys are playing another level of basketball for a long time. And so I would love to say that they're running on adrenaline, but it's not that. There's confidence mixed in, obviously, now. But with all that said, the Wizards have scored 116 or more in their last 10 games minimum. And then the Pacers have played six overs in their last seven. Now, they're two and four in their last six. They're not playing winning basketball. Something's got to give here. That number's high, but almost very realistic. I mean, in overtime, again, what they played a 260 against Milwaukee, who scores a lot. The Wizards played to, I mean, that's almost 270 against the Pacers last time. You know what the score was? 154-141. Only, we only almost approached. I mean, can, the 300 mark, but yeah, you know. That's three straight overs of 250 <laughs> just for them. I mean, two, There's four, a lot of points going 249 on. prior to that, yeah. And the Pacers is very similar. I mean, they did the same thing with Atlanta, but then also they mix in the 93-104 games. And then they have the game versus Washington. And then they had the one where they scored 152 but only gave up 95. So there's a little bit more inconsistencies with them. It's a tough total for me just to say, yeah, blindly bet the over. Not blindly, but bet the over 250. But when we're seeing what, what, what these teams do, it's almost, the number almost doesn't feel high enough. So do you anticipate this continuing, even though we're seeing some overtime, we're seeing a lot of road games with the Wizards? Um, do, you, do you anticipate these overs continuing, even though we have the little bit of inconsistencies and in the lack of winning with the Pacers? Or does something have to give here? I, I Look, I, if you made me actually bet, a, bet an angle on this total, I think I, you'd have to take over because... There's no scenario where I would feel comfortable at this point taking a Wizards under. I just wouldn't. It's just out of principle with what we've seen out of them. It's also partly, though, why I'm not really, at least personally, I'm not going to be interested in playing a lot of these pre-game sides or totals until we get to the playoffs because I want to... It's got to come down, right? 
You would, you would think. The well, numbers well, might stay the once, same. Once we get into the playoffs, it certainly would. But playing meaningful my, basketball shots. Yeah, my okay. interest more in this game particularly is to see where, and it's kind of a shame Malcolm Brogdon is out here because you don't really get a true number and a true idea of where this line would actually be with each team at full strength because I really want to see where would odds makers right now set a Wizards-Pacers line with both teams at full strength. I would, I would think this is about a pick em, maybe Indiana minus one, if Brogdon was actually in. And I'm telling you this right now, Josh, if we get this matchup in 10 games, or in 10, 10 days, I should say, I'm going to be betting Washington with how Indiana has completely yeah. fallen apart at the season, it's felt like. So this is more one of those, I, I don't want to have any action on it. I also just want to monitor, all right, how do these two teams match up? So there are games where this is a good example of you don't have to bet a game Kind of, you can still observe a game though to give you a potential future inkling of how you want to bet a potential rematch, which is very a very real possibility. We had the standings flashed up a moment ago. Mm-hmm. That's just what I wanted to emphasize in this game because it's not like you have to bet this, but I still want to watch to see how these two match up with each other so close to the playoffs here. And the Wizards shot 61 percent on 103 shots in that game. The Pacers shot 51 percent, I believe, in that game as well. So, um, hot hands for both teams. What has to give on, I mean, it's not really that many shots, the percentages. I mean, we go from 61, let's say they both shoot 51%. It's going under 250. It becomes a possession game there. And the Wizards yes. have just been, with, with Russ at the helm, have just been psychotic. And I don't expect that to change. It's just the identity of that team. And even though they're not particularly well coached with Scott Brooks, you, you right. just that's why they're such a wild card. And that's why I will... I will likely be be on them only in a, a matchup against Indiana, that, who I think are the, the team that should not belong in as far as the 10 in the Eastern Conference. That's that's my point here. Is that not what's kind of cool about what Washington is doing? Is not only are they scoring a massive amount of points, but they're winning basketball games and consistently winning in basketball games. In spite of games. themselves. It's usually, yeah, you see shootouts all the time. You see high scoring. You don't. You, I mean, you're going to see wins and losses. You're going to see a fluctuation of things when it comes to that category. This team has been winning basketball games for a very long time. And, again, 129 to 109, 119 to 110. Like, they're they're winning games 122 to 93. Now, those examples of teams, maybe not the best examples, but the scores. But they're doing a good job of scoring and winning. So when they have to step up defensively, I guess that's my question. Mm-hmm. Are they? Because something's going when, when right. Push against a legitimate team, no. When okay. push comes to shove. But what I'm saying is for the 9-10, that's where you might be able to get some value. Potentially, we'll see what the line is uh, in, in Washington. Played fingers, fingers. two games this, this calendar year versus each other. Uh, 292 and 256. A lot of points. 292 and 256. 250 is your total uh, right now. A couple other quick notes on one other game about to start. Detroit and Philadelphia. Philadelphia is all but locked down the number one seed. This is another game tipping at the top of the hour. We will see Joel Embiid. He is going to play today. He was questionable coming in. Ben Simmons will not. They are resting him today. Seth Curry remaining out with a hip injury as well. And Jeremy Grant has been upgraded to probable for Detroit. Continuing just a run for the Sixers of getting to play very weak, tanking teams down the stretch. Although Detroit did, did get some money on the basis of the of the potential for some guys resting, in particular Simmons, from 10, 10 and a half down to 9. But uh, low total, 217 and a half or 218, probably not not worth the play here. I did play the Sixers, though, at 4-1 to one to win the East. That number, I think, still available at one book in town, uh, Josh. But uh, paired with that and, and the Bucks 6-1 to one ticket, it's 
We're going on the anti-Brooklyn train is what you I'm gotta, saying. Going into, into the playoffs. That's, yeah. that's, that's, the, that's the path I have chosen, that's and we fine. are going to follow it. You got to, uh, listen, you got to play the games on the schedule. Whether they're, you know, teams are great or not, you got to play them. And, you know, when you have the teams that are very good, you, you have to win those games. It's just, it's just the reality of it. It's kind of funny that you mentioned that, too, because the last, what they won? They won seven in a row, the Sixers have, but they lost to Milwaukee. They lost to Milwaukee. They lost to Phoenix. Now, two were on the road. Phoenix was at home, but they lose those three games, but they beat OKC. They beat Atlanta twice. They beat San Antonio, Chicago, Houston, and New Orleans. So, again, on one hand, they're taking care of the games they should. On the other hand, does that bode well when the playoffs start? We'll see. I get it. Not everybody's at full strength. Understandable. Um, on the road, though, Detroit 728. They just don't show. And we've seen a lot of teams the last couple of weeks be competitive to start. Maybe the first half, maybe first part of three quarters, and then they just kind of fade. We've seen some of these covers happen. Um, refresh me again. Is there anybody out for the 76ers of note that we need so, to? Ben Simmons. Ben's is, out. Okay. Yeah, and Seth, Seth Curry out as well. It's funny. On the bottom end of the – and we have not – I feel like we haven't paid as much attention to the, the whole tank, the art of the tank this year, just because the play-in tournament has been such a fascinating thing to follow and track. Just, I think, the novelty of it as a whole. But you look at it on the other side – Detroit tied with Minnesota for the second worst record. They have the precious one game lead, if you want to call it that, over the Cavs for the the worst record and the Magic as well, the worst record in the East. So there's a lot at stake too for Detroit. Cavs have lost nine of ten. I mean, with the way the lottery odds have changed now to try and prevent just the outright tanking, there are some big storylines at play for these teams at the very bottom now with just five games left on the schedule. So that, that's also something that even though I get from maybe a sharp perspective, 10, 10 and a half was too much to lay with Philly, but keep that in mind here for, for the Detroit side if you maybe get a slow start by the 76ers. That's all I would say with right. that. One more question for you. We, okay. I understand that the NBA draft isn't like some other drafts. Like you, you want to have a lottery pick. You want to have somewhere top 10, mm-hmm. top whatever to get some of the better players in college basketball, um, doesn't it's hard? And I'm not saying I don't misquote me. Second round, third round, you're not finding as much talent. You Only do over times. So, yeah. Second round, sorry, you don't. He's, find, a, he's a baseball guy. There were what? But my point rounds, is, is, yeah. is, is, is we've seen tanking the NBA for quite a while, right? Mm-hmm. We've seen teams want the higher picks. I guess two part question: Is there the is college basketball that deep with talent this year that I certain guys I have to have? And even with the Zion and whatever else we've seen recently. When I do get the first pick, is it are, are teams turning around immediately and being successful, or is it still taking time and other free agents to help? Like, is is tanking really that worth it? It's a good question. It's good two questions you ask. The second one is the second question is no. I don't. We've we've seen that proven time and again. It is not an automatic thing. I think though this year though your first question is it is a very deep draft. That's I think the consensus at least. And there's not a consensus number one either. That's going to be a big debate and a big talking point. However, if you're able to lock yourself into the top six, seven, you are in a very good position, at least compared to uh, years past. So that's our NBA talk. We'll we'll keep tabs on those couple games about to start at the top of the hour. When we return, though, we'll update you on some interesting games in the MLB as we get toward the ninth and tenth innings in some spots. That's all on the other side as hour two gets rolling next here on Beeson Bet Center. 